Hello, this is Reverend Erechim. I'm glad to come to you through this medium. As you listen to the word of God today, I pray that you will be impacted, your life will be transformed, and you experience God. Kingdom blessings. Empowerment in this month of May, last month of, of May, as we enter June. I want us to celebrate God's goodness towards us, God's word towards us, God's favor towards us. Hallelujah. Anytime God wants to move you to the next level, he will always send you a word. He always prepare you for the future. And this month has been very phenomenal. And for me, I am following what God has told me. And I tell all of you at the sound of my voice that in the next five years, in the next ten years, you see the manifestation. Because I remember very clearly those years when we were in power hall and God sent men of God and Dr. Otto Tabel also declared things to us and all those things have come to pass. All those things. The university, how God is going to raise people in ICGC, the churches we are going to build. So it's very important that we align ourselves with the word of God anytime it comes to us. Hallelujah. Praise the name of this morning. I'm going to be speaking on riches, wealth, and honor. Let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that this morning you will speak to us. We ask that you will cause your word to come to us in clarity. We pray that, Lord, you give us a meek heart. You give us a heart that is receptive towards your word. In Jesus' name, and anoint me to speak your word to your people. In this Kairos moment. Amen. Amen. So let's um, go straight to the uh, scripture in Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 5 to 12. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 5 to 12. Now, this is our month of seeking. But I want to just, we'll still look at some of those things based on what I'm sharing today. Hallelujah. So from verse 5, now the bronze altar that Bazaliel, the son of Uriah, the son of Ur, had made and he had put before the tabernacle of the Lord, Solomon and the assembly sought him there. Seek, sought, seek, sought, sought him there, sought him there. And this was what was built when they were, went in Exodus. So Basalia, we remember that Basalia was a, a craftsman and the things he built. So Solomon now went to that altar and sought God there. You see, so if you watch, the H there is um, uh, capital. Praise the name of the Lord. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord which was at the tabernacle of the meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David my father, and have made him a king in his place. Now, O Lord, 
Let your promise to David, my father, be established. For you have made him a king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before these people for who can judge a great people of yours. Then God said to Solomon, because it was in your heart, you have not asked for riches, wealth, or honor, or the lives of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but you have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I've made you a king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And this is the key scripture, verse 12. And I'll give you riches, wealth, and honor, such that none of the kings have ever had had ever before you or shall have ever shall have shall, shall any have after the like hallelujah so we are now seeing how a young king called Solomon went to God and sought God now Solomon was not the qualified to become the king in Israel. Because of all the scenarios that David had with the mother. But for some reason, God chose him to become the king. That's how come, because of that, Adonijah couldn't take his throne. And the Bible says here that now he has been made a king and he went to God to ask that God, how can I lead these people? And the Bible says that he said, I wanted wisdom and knowledge to guide your people. Now, one of the things we must understand is that anything God has called us to do, the first thing you need to ask God in your calling, in your purpose, in your assignment, is wisdom and knowledge to fulfill it. That should be your focus. Wisdom and knowledge to fulfill it. So now God begins to, to God begin to speak to him and say, because of several things you have not asked for, I'll now give you riches, I'll give you wealth, I'll give you honor. What are riches? Riches include cash and material that tend to lose their value quickly. You can wake up in the morning and the money that you have had in the bank has gone half or lost its value. That is riches. And riches can be short-term, and they are very volatile. So that's how come when people lose money, they can go and kill themselves. I remember during the, 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 the crash in America, some millionaires were jumping into the Jefferson River 
in New York because they had lost money overnight. One morning, you were multi-millionaire. The next morning, you are zero account. That is riches. And they can be very volatile. I want you to track with me this morning. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly with all things to enjoy. So Paul writing to Timothy said that let those who are present in this age not to be who are rich. Now, I am not against rich people. If you cannot be rich, then why did God get you born again? Yeah. One aspect of our inheritance is to be rich. So I'm not coming against rich people, but there's also a caution to the rich. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. Haughty means you're arrogant. You disrespect everybody. You will not listen to anybody. The next morning, your money can vanish. But in the living God, who gives us riches, all things to enjoy. So God gives it to us. So, number one, the Bible says that I will give you riches. Everybody must have cash flow. But don't let what is in your account make you haughty. You disregard everybody. Nobody can advise you. Nobody can advise you. There must be somebody who can stop you. Ah. There must be, your mother can stop you. Your father, your pastor can stop you. Am I speaking to somebody here? Number two, wealth. I'll give you riches. That's how come when you go to Solomon's house, gold, everything was gold. Now, wealth. Wealth refers to tangible and intangible assets that does not lose their value over time. Wealth usually, when managed, stays with us for generations. So there's riches and there's wealth. He said, I will give you what? Riches, wealth, and honor. And wealth talks about durable things. So you must move your riches into things that don't lose value over time. It is in wealth that somebody's net worth is calculated. Your net worth is built on the property you have. So you can have money in your account, but if you don't buy land, you don't invest in real estate, you don't invest in anything that can bring you resource, then you are stuck. I must speak to somebody here. So it's very, it's very critical. If we want to prosper according to God's kingdom, and God's this thing, it's not enough to have riches. Haircut.
And you must be very wise to invest in things. So your net worth is based on the property you own. That is wealth. And sometimes some discoveries and some royalties come to you. So it's very important. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 17 to, to 18. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. I like that. He said, I love those who love me and those who diligently seek me will find me. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring riches and righteousness. So you realize that when you begin to move there, you are now having enduring. You see, let me say something to all of us. And it's a command. We must not make our children suffer the suffer we have suffered. We must not make it. Our children should have a platform. So don't be a young person at 25 years. God has blessed you with a good business or a good employment and you are wasting money in the realm of riches. Begin to invest. All the people who are multimillionaires, they didn't do it overnight. Though. 20 years, 30 years. Wealth. Invest. It says that riches and honor are with me. Enduring riches. Now let's look at honor. Honor is taken from the Hebrew word kabod, meaning weight, splendor, copiousness, gloriousness, honorableness. A man's honor is the total of his office, function, and personality. True honor is earned as a valuable asset. So God can give you riches. God can give you wealth. But it is God who gives you honor. It means weight, glory, doxa. So, one of the things that you must do is that when God begins to increase you, you must come to the point where you must know that it is from God. And there are things that come with it which only God puts on you, not man. I'm sorry to say that there are people who call honorable, they are not honorable. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, very sorry. But when God's glory is on you, you step into a space and somebody says, there's something about this guy we don't understand. You don't need to announce your title. You don't need to announce what you have because honor comes from God. I will give you riches. I will give you wealth. Solomon, hey, when I was doing the research, eh, the guy built all kinds of crazy stuff. That is wealth. But it was God who gave him honor. You don't fight for honor. You don't announce who you are. Can I say this? If you watch our flyers a lot now, I don't want any title against my name. Eric Hikimeku. Period. Not because 
I am against anybody being whatever it is. I don't need it. If you watch, all our flags. I don't want my name, Reverend or whatever, Pastor, no. Those things don't bother me. It's about fulfilling destiny. It's about impacting people. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. The same scripture we read. He said, then God said to <coughs> Solomon, because this was in your heart, you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, or have you asked for long life, but you asked for wisdom for yourself that you may judge my people whom I have made you a king. Wisdom and knowledge you are, are granted to you. I have given you riches and wealth and honor such as no king have ever had who you who were before you or shall have after you. So what God is saying is that he did not any assignment God gives you. Raymond is into logistics, right? It's your assignment. So when you begin to ask God for wisdom to do your logistics work, but you did not ask any other thing, God will add riches, wealth, so, one of the things that when you discover what God has called you to do, ask him for wisdom and knowledge. That's the first thing. That is what guarantees the other things that will follow. So, how come Solomon came into riches, wealth, and honor? Number one, motives. Solomon's motive in life were good, and not personal gain. His motives was good, not personal gain. <laughs> his enemies were not his that target. His motive was to serve his generation. So no matter where you find yourself, your motive is to save your generation. Motive. Because the man gave a sacrifice that God appeared to him at night. I made, some time ago, I said something that, let me say something to you. The kind of wealth he, he was left with was so powerful that he needed wisdom. But yet, in this context, you can see the purity of his heart. Amen? Motive. So, why are you looking for wealth, riches, wealth, and honor? What is your motive? Because if we don't have the right motive, God cannot trust us with true riches. So our motives must be very clear to everybody here, whatever you are doing, what is your motive? The place is quiet. Second Chronicles 
Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. Then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, that you have not asked for riches, wealth, or honor, or the life of your enemies. Those songs, you don't sing it. Stop it. Stop, stop, stop. No, you didn't know it to prove a point. Can I tell you, anybody in your destiny that you see as an enemy was pushing you into your destiny? That is how come when Jesus Christ was very strong. He saw Judas Iscariot said, here comes my friend. Here comes my friend. What is your motive? Don't ask God for riches, wealth, and honor to prove a point. Never. Now, there's something that drives everybody to succeed, but not to prove a point. Not to prove a point. What is your motive? He didn't ask for his enemies. Maybe you're, you stayed with somebody who treated you. Oh, when I get blessed, I mean, oh, wow, mishandle them. You will never get there. You never get there. There are people who may have mishandled you in life. You stayed with them, they maltreated you. When you prosper, stretch your hand to them. What is your motive for wealth? I want to prove a point. Solomon didn't have that motive. Number two, mission. Your money must have mission. Solomon had an assignment to build God and himself great houses. I like it. What else do you say? He said to build God and himself. So it's not building God's house alone, but because you are building God, you, you build. When people see your property, they'll know that God is with you. Your properties. Your properties. Because you are building God's house. Solomon decided. So God gave wealth to him. Your assignment in destiny will always bring you your consignment. It's a tutable statement. Your assignment in destiny will always bring you your consignment. Your mission always supply your provision. So, I am an accountant, but my assignment is to make sure that whatever God blesses me with, I'll bless his house. But I'll be a faithful accountant in wherever I am. And I'll bless his house and also build my house. So understanding your mission is important. Your money must have mission. Hey. Your money must have mission. May God help us that before we die, what we have contributed into the kingdom is colossal. It's colossal. 
you have supported people, you have given you, and it's very important. What, what your money must have mission. What, why no? Why are you asking God for it? It's number one, his house. Number two, your big house is too. Sometimes many get receive God's favor and God begin to prosper them and they don't have a clear understanding of why God blessed them. Mission. I'm not only talking about church. Your money must have mission in your village. Your money must have vision with the people who are in need around you. Your money must have mission. Your money must have a mission to support. But the first is God's house. Second Chronicles, chapter 2. We'll read verse 1 and verse 5. Is somebody talking with me this morning? Then Solomon determined to build a temple for the name of the Lord. <laughs> I like that. And a royal house for himself. Hey! If you build for God, you will not live in a small house. Ah! 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 When you build for God, you will not drive a small car. When you build for God, you live in a royal palace, a house that you yourself will know that this is my dream house. And I prophesy to everybody here, I declare over everybody here, that as we build God's house, may God also build you a house. I decree in the name of Jesus, our season of renting and renting property is over. In the next three years, may people own their dream houses with swimming pools at the back. But the Bible says, and Solomon determined. You see, when we talk about people standing and supporting the church, some people think that it is just the pastor who wants something for himself. But I have come to understand over the period that when you build God's house, God also builds in your house. I can share crazy testimonies with you. Let me tell you something. Calvary Temple was about to roof, was about to start the foundation of their church, the church that I was there. And I had saved those days. It's about 5,000 Ghana cities. So I told Gertrude that, okay, let's go and sow this seed as a foundation into Calvary Temple's foundation. Can you believe that when Calvary Temple was roofing their building, we were roofing our first house? We were roofing our first house. He said, the Bible says here that he determined so our determination number one is to build God's house. And I want to say that in this church, I've seen people who have contributed to this house, who continue to contribute and continue to give to this house. And verse 5, And the temple which I build shall be great 
for our God is greater than all gods. Ah! Can I tell you something? We must see the best in church. Oh, we must see the best in church. We must see the best in church. We must see the best in church. That everything we do must be excellent because our God is greater than all gods. To go to India, the Taj Mahal, whatever it is. Have you seen a building, a white building? But our God is greater than that. Why can't we build him something? Is somebody hear me here? Solomon's temple cost 500 billion to build. Mm. Not in our day. I was told Qatar spent over 500 billion for the uh, World Cup. But not now. Before. <laughs> and what I saw was that he had imported 183,600 foreigners to work on the temple. So immigrant workers matter is not today. He had imported them. Close to 200,000 workers who are not Israelis. His personal offering for the temple was over $10 million. His personal offering. He had determined to build God a house and a royal house for himself. So, if you want to build a big team for yourself, connect it to God's house first. It will fall in place. Cha, 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 cha. That is how come when Queen Sheba came, the woman came with $4.5 million of wealth to inquire. Yeah, so that was, the Bible said that <laughs> a man's gift shall make room for himself. So when he gave that offering, then she now sat down. And if you watch, she's the woman who was the love life of Solomon with all his problems, I beg. So the songs of Solomon is, 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 is to the two of them. Those of you who have come to marry counseling, you know what I've told you. If you want to go and write a love letter to your wife, don't go far. Don't go and buy blue mountain cards and uh, Pilacito. Is that those things? Are they still there? Are they still there? <laughs> go to songs of Solomon. <laughs> Sheba was there among all the thousand people Sheba was number one praise the name of the Lord number three anointing Solomon asks for the anointing to rule God's people God had entrusted so God gave you a business Lord give me the anointing to run this business you gave me God gave me this appointment God, give me anointing to run this. Oh, God gave me a gift. God, give me an anointing to run this. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is God's power operating in our lives for a specific assignment. It is the anointing that enthrones a man. And it is the enthronement of the man that attracts wealth. 
You can never be operating in the anointing God gives you and you know attract wealth. The anointing enhances your work. So you're an accountant, but you're not only an accountant, but you see yourself as an apostle in a marketplace and you're anointed to rule and reign within your space. And people will be surprised, how are you getting this thing done? Can I tell you people, the Bible school doesn't make you a pastor. Oh, yeah. The Bible school doesn't make you a pastor. I'm a pastor. I went to Bible school. But the purpose of Bible school is let me understand certain things that are theological. So you don't go to a Bible school and come out and think that you're a pastor. It's an anointing. Some of the things I do, I don't understand. Some of the things I do, me, I don't understand. And all of us, we have an anointing. Can I tell you something? The anointing is what causes you to rule. Isaiah 45 verse 1. That says the Lord to his son, Isaiah 45, that says his, his anointed to Cyrus whose right hand have held to subdue nations before him and to lose the armor of kings and to open before him double doors that the gates will not be shut. When you are functioning in your anointing, no gate shall be shut to you because you are at the right place at the right time carrying the right anointing. For the right assignment. Solomon asks for anointing, wisdom, and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge. If your father has left over several billions of money for you, you need wisdom and knowledge. It's an anointing you need. And everybody must believe God for anointing. Everybody must believe God for anointing. Say anointing. anointing. Don't be, don't see, you see, some people think the anointing is on Sunday. So, hey, when you, you are going to church on Monday, there's somebody in this church every Monday comes to pray at the altar. He said, Pastor, I need this anointing. I'm not to come and pray at the altar, no. But that's a person's culture. I need this to be able to function in my office. Anointing. And when you ask God for grace to do his work, he releases substance for the mission. He releases substance for the mission. Somebody say substance. So everybody, your substance is within your assignment. So when he decided that he wanted to build God a house. God made provision. Because he wanted to rule the people wisely. God gave him. Number three, association. Number four, yeah, number four. It's on my, it's here, number four. <laughs> Solomon associated himself with Hiram, a Phoenician king of Tyre. Some schools of thought are like 
the same Haram related to the father when the father was alive. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. Associations. Then Solomon, Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 3 to 4, then Solomon sent to Haram, the king of Ty, saying, As you have dealt with my father and sent him cedars to build himself a house to dwell in, so deal with me. Behold, I am building a temple for the name of our Lord God and to dedicate it to him, to bend before him sweet incense. I love that. Worship. Worship. I want to worship in that building. Now, it's not going to burn incense. For the continuous showbread, for the burnt offerings in the morning and in the evening, and on the Sabbath, on the new moon, and on the set feast of the Lord, this is an ordinance forever to Israel. So what happened? You realize that he connected himself with the right people. In our life, like all the speakers have said, social capital is necessary for kingdom advancement. He said, as you dealt with my father, one of the things you must learn in life is that you must have good associations. You must have somebody that you can call right now and say, I need this amount of money. I will not pay you back. No, listen to me. I'm not joking. No, no. I won't pay you back. But I need this amount of money. I'm not going to go and mention make big money. Maybe 5,000. If that's okay, I'm sending it to you right now. Because I am in a crisis. That also means that you have also done something for the person. You must have somebody you can call. Association. And you must be deliberate in your association. He said, you dealt with my father well, so I'm going to build God. I like what he said. He said, behold, I'm building a temple of God in the name of the Lord to dedicate it to him, to burn, him, <laughs> burn before him sweet incense. Ah, why won't God give you money? I want to build God's house that people will feel comfortable. That the sound is nice. Not the one... The mics are top range to burn him sweet incense. In fulfilling your divine destiny, you need connection to your supply line. In fulfilling your prophetic destiny, you need connection to your supply because there's a supply line for everybody. So this man, this king, sent him all the cedars of Lebanon. I don't know whether he even paid for it. He said, you dealt with my... Because David had now built his own temple, his own house. That's when he wanted to say that, why can I live in a good place and I'll not build God's house? And God said, your hands are too bloody, so let your son do it. So he said, that was the same thing because they didn't have that in Israel. There are things you don't have that you must connect with the right people and treat them well. Behave well towards them as destiny partners. Social capital. Social capital. You must be strategic. 
in the scriptures. You could have come and say, oh, I don't care whether my father had a relationship with you. Don't you think that God has given me all the wisdom I want? He develops social capital. And in your life, you must pray and pray that the right partners will come into your life. Because there are relationships that are wealth pullers. There are others which are wealth dissipators. There are relationships that are wealth pullers. And there are relationships that can be wealth dissipators. You must monitor the traffic of human beings that come in and out of your life closely. You must monitor it. There are relationships that are not right. You must monitor it. Am I speaking to somebody here? Sometimes some of these things are very, very, uh, very difficult and very... Um, uh, sometimes even a close family, a full close family, close family. Yeah. There are people who dissipate your wealth. They'll dissipate whatever it is. So if the person cannot manage your shop well, put him aside. Give him some allowance every month. Mind your business. Not because you are my brother, you manage my business and make me lose money. Because I can't lock you in the police station. Am I speaking to somebody here now? Yeah. Yeah. So, don't worry. How much do you need to live every month? 300, 500 Ghana cities. I'll give it to you. Stay in there. Whatever you want to do, do. I'll employ somebody else. And sometimes in the family, you can have people who leak your money. Who take so much from you and you can't do much about it. Am I speaking to somebody? It's not every firstborn that can inherit. Joseph was the 11th born. It's not every firstborn. It's not every firstborn. It's not every firstborn. Who told you? Hey, there's the blessing of the birthright and the blessing of the firstborn. The birthright blessing is there. You are there. You are there. But there's a blessing of the firstborn. So, the first son of Jacob had the blessing of the best right, right? But Joseph had the blessing of the firstborn. That is why you don't need to be the firstborn to do anything for the family. Though, I'm a firstborn. I'm a firstborn. But I understand these dynamics. Amen? So you must monitor people who come into your life. People come and cause chaos in your life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I have three minutes. Okay. Number five. Today, <laughs> my anointing to teach has come. All right. Number five. Let's honor God. Honor God. Solomon had a high sense of honor to God and honoring God through giving is the main is the main key for the supernatural abundance. Like last Friday, we um, uh, even Bishop Bempa speak, speak up, spoke about that. So in First Kings chapter three, verse three to four, let's see what happens there. First Kings chapter three. 
verse 3 to 4. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father, except that he sacrificed and burnt incense at high places. So now we all know the story like we said the other day. He had several wives and they brought their gods in. So there were high places that he was always going to serve his, himself with the, the, the spouses. But now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice for that was what? The great high place. He had high places, but it was a great high place. And he offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar at Gibeon. And the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night saying, ask what I shall give you. You must come to a point in your walk with God that you will give a sacrifice that will be a sacrifice of covenant. Honor God. The Bible says he, he honored. He honored. So now, let me say something to all of us here. I go through our records. Let me see that. But people don't honor God with their tithes and first fruits. Anytime you have a problem with paying your tithe, you don't honor God. No, no. You don't honor him. You don't honor him. Solomon had a high honor for God. I'm not saying, you see, it's not about giving the money to the church. It's for your good. It's your relationship with God. Honor God. So after when I look at the records, I smile. And so when you talk about the people get angry. But no. The Bible said they were, he went to the high place. Which altar is your high place? Hmm? Which altar is your high place? Which altar is your high place? As we are here now, there are people who are fighting your position who are in shrines, who are in occultic spaces and mentioning your name, want to bring your business down. Why can't you have a covenant with God? If you want to follow him, follow him fully. Simple. <laughs> it's a spiritual principle. It's a spiritual principle. If you are here and you don't pay your tithe and you sleep the whole night and wake up, then, what could you repair? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey! 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 How? You are a Christian. God has given you money. He gave you something. And you can connect with him, honor him. It's not about the money. It's not about giving up his money. We have done things in this church with what we receive. But it's about you. Am I speaking to somebody here this morning? I know some of you don't like this message. On that note, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 to 10. We are taking our tithe. 
God, oh, hey, hey. Yes. Many people are not sharing God in your name. <laughs> Rise up on your feet. I hope you are blessed this morning.